Turn to Luke chapter 5. We're preaching through the Gospel of Luke from Advent to Easter. And today we've made it all the way to chapter 5. There's a lot more chapters to go. Um, I talked to one of my pastor friends here in Salem Association this past week. Uh, we get together for coffee and, and talk about how wonderful our churches are. And um, I said, I'm preaching through the Gospel of Luke from Advent to Easter. And he said, oh, it took me two years to get through the Gospel of Luke. And so uh, today we're in chapter 5. This is an exciting part of Luke's Gospel because uh, Jesus is beginning to demonstrate that he truly is the Son of God through the, the powers that, that nobody can explain. No earthly human being could do what Jesus has been doing. Uh, we followed Jesus when he was born, and uh, God uh, um, uh, revealed himself through the star to the shepherds and an angel. Uh, we followed Jesus into the temple when he was uh, dedicated in the temple. And uh, Anna and uh, uh, the prophet there said, uh, this is the Son of God, this is the Messiah. Uh, we followed Jesus into the wilderness after that uh, when he was tempted by Satan, and yet he resisted all temptations. We followed Jesus as he began his ministry in the northern part of uh, Israel around the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Nazareth first and then up to Galilee. He seemed to have a better reception up in Galilee than he did his hometown. No prophet is without honor in his own country. That's a saying that Jesus used. But where they did receive him, demons were cast out. It was just amazing. Uh, the paralytic was healed. It was just amazing. Um, um, uh, even Peter's mother, Peter's mom, now Peter's going to be a main character in the story that we're talking about today, even Peter's mother was healed of a debilitating fever. And she literally got up out of the bed and fed uh, Jesus and uh, his uh, close disciples there. It was just amazing to just be around Jesus. And so by now in chapter 5, there are crowds that are following Jesus Christ. And out of those that are following Jesus, he's going to choose 12. He's going to choose 12. And these will be his closest disciples, even though that he, know, he knows ahead of time that one of them, Judas, is going to betray him. But before he actually designates them as being his 12 apostles or his closest disciples out of this crowd, he's going to perform a miracle on the Sea of Gennesaret. All right? So now we're, we have Jesus on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about 33 miles in circumference, about 13 miles uh, from, from coast to coast. Now, that's a lot of, that's a lot of mileage. That, that's, a big, that's a big lake. Uh, Luke calls it Lake Gennesaret. Uh, the other Gospels calls it the Sea of Galilee. It's a huge body of water. And the main source of uh, living uh, for those that living around the Sea of Galilee is, is for uh, fishing. Everybody fishes. And so that's how they make their living. And they're good at it. Been done it they've done it a long time. Their parents fished, their grandparents fished, and they've taken up the trade of fishing. And among those is going to be Peter, who will Simon, who will later be called Peter, and then Andrew, and then James and John. And they're fishing together on the lake of Gennesaret, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is fed by springs up underneath, and it's fed by the Jordan River as well. All right, so are you ready to read the Scripture? No, we're not ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this exciting passage of Scripture today, particularly as we walk a little closer with you, our Savior and our Lord, to understand what it means to really catch people. 
not just fish, but persons for the kingdom of God. And here we are brought into this story as we listen to it, Lord. Help us to see truths that are fresh and renewing and challenging. And help us, Lord, to be obedient to your call to go fishing with you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus is on the, on the shore there. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying in the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Now what does that mean? They're done for the day. They're done for the day. Um, the five o'clock horn is blown. It's time to go home. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now this is no accident that it happened to be Simon's because Simon Peter is going to be one of the main apostles that Jesus teaches and uh, becomes his Lord. And he's going to have an experience, a fishing experience here with Simon. Uh, this was Simon's boat, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down in the boat and began teaching the people from the boat. So he's backed away into the open waters of Lake Gennesaret, uh, which is at its deepest, about 150 feet deep, but not quite right here. It's near the shore, close enough that he can speak to the crowd and teach them about the kingdom of God. Okay? And, and they've seen him perform all these miracles that only a Messiah, the Son of God, God himself could perform. And uh, they, they'd like to hear more about what Jesus has to say. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, <clears throat> Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him and said, Master, we worked hard all night long, and we caught nothing. But I'll do as you say and let down the nets. Now, you, you parents, hang on with me here. You ever, you ever, you ever tell your, one of your children, I want you to do this? And your child says, Okay, if you say so, if you insist. You ever heard anybody say that? That's kind of the attitude of Peter here. When you translate it in the Greek language, it's not quite a sarcasm, but it's, an, it's a reluctance to believe. And if you'll notice, Simon calls Jesus master or rabbi, which means his teacher. He knows that Jesus is speaking a word from God, that there's something special about Jesus because he cured his own mother. He's been around to see all these miracles that Jesus has been performing. And so he calls Jesus Master. That's a very important word. Master, we worked all night and caught nothing. There are no fish out there, Master. There, there are no more resources Master, but I'll do what you say and let down the nets. If you say so, we'll give her a whirl. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners, 
This would be Simon and Andrew hollering at James and John. They signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled two boats. Filled two boats so that they began to take on water and were about to sink. Here at one point, Peter was sinking financially and um, uh, 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 failing at his own business. Now he's, seek, he's sinking uh, because he has an overabundance. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet. Now they're in the boat together. Oh Lord, go away from me, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. Peter sees Jesus now as Lord, as God, Yahweh himself. Once as just master, now as Lord. For amazement had seized Peter and all his fishing companions because of the abundance, the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their nets to the land, they left everything. They left the fishing business. I mean, just like that. They left everything. They left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus will say in the Gospels, He that puts his hand to the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And those whom Jesus calls, he calls us to follow him and be his disciples forever. I think there's some fishing lessons to be learned here. And I want to share with you three big ones. If we are to catch people, catch persons with Jesus, if we are to be fishers of men, as Jesus talked about. Now, you know, it's amazing how Jesus takes a common experience like fishing for fish and uh, translates that into a spiritual message about reaching people with the gospel. That's what he's talking about. He says, I'm going to teach you how to reach people with the gospel. I'm going to teach you how to not only be a disciple, but make disciples of others. If there's one thing that we need to hear today, is that God is calling every Christian, that's you, you, and you, and me, not only to be a follower of Christ, a disciple, but to make disciples of others as well your family, your home, your children, people you work with, uh, people you know, not the unknown people of the world, but the people that you know. To be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples of others. So lesson number one from this fishing experience is, experience is that we are to surrender to this call of Jesus to be fishers of men and women. To cast out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and see who hooks on and see the harvest that Jesus alone can bring. It's amazing to me how Peter was reluctant to surrender and do what Jesus wanted him to do. Now, in this passage of Scripture, it kind of looks like, uh, Master, we fished all night 
and then whatever you want us to do, Master, we'll do it. No, there's a pause between those two sentences. And that pause in the Greek text says that Peter really didn't want to do what Jesus asked him to do. In other words, it was useless, it was senseless. Uh, logic says uh, this will be of no value. We're not going to catch any fish. I'm the professional, I'm the f uh, fisherman, Jesus. See, he's kind of condescending toward God himself and saying, God, you really don't know what to do. And I think we get that way too. And, and he's so self-confident that, that, that there's no more fish to be caught uh, that he's saying to God, this won't work. And I've heard that all my life in the ministry from church members who are very sincere and yet disqualify what God can do. But we're not the only ones. Moses was like that. God called Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh, to prophesy and say, let my people go. He was going to be God's leader. And Moses was running from Pharaoh. Moses was on the backside of the mountain. And what was the first objection that Moses gave to God to say, this won't work? He, 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 he had my problem. He, uh, <clears throat> Moses had a problem. He, 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 just, he just couldn't talk plain. Not because he's from Louisiana or southern Israel, but because he stuttered. Because he stuttered. He said, Lord, I'm not eloquent of speech. I have a speaking problem. And God says, you let me take care of that. And God used Moses in a powerful way to be the leader of his people and to reveal himself to them. And we have first five books of the Bible because of this man called Moses. Isaiah is another one in chapter 6 was the call of Isaiah. That was his burning bush, except it was in church one day. God revealed himself in the temple to Isaiah. And the first objection that Isaiah had was, Lord, I'm too sinful. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. They won't listen to what I say. Just like Moses said to God, they will not listen to what I say. And God said, I'll clean your lips. And I want you to go where I send you. And Isaiah surrendered. And we have the great prophet of the Bible. Jeremiah said the same thing. God says, I want you to preach and I want you to proclaim my word to Israel. And uh, Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah responded by saying, Lord, I don't know how to speak because I'm so young. People will not listen to me because of my age. And I've heard that excuse all my life. Well, I'm too old. I used to do that when I was young. I taught students when I was young. But now I'm old. I don't have any students uh, in church, so I'm not going to teach students anymore. Why? Because of your age? Because you're disinterested? Why are you not spreading the gospel to people who need to hear about the Lord? And I have to ask myself, what's my excuse? What excuse am I using for not surrendering and obeying Jesus and saying, Lord, I will not only be a disciple, but I will begin making disciples of other people. In other words, folks, this is a, this is a paradigm. This is a, a way to frame how you see yourself as a Christian. A lot of people see themselves 
as a Christian and I'm settled in and I'll just be a good person the rest of my life. That's not what God wants you to do. And that's why you're not enjoying life. You enjoy life when you are obedient to the Lord and experience the harvest that only God can bring in a miracle. And that is a new disciple. Anybody ever heard of the evangelist David Rehm? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, when you get home, <clears throat> go to YouTube and look up David Rehm, R-I-N-G. He's an evangelist who has cerebral palsy, born with it. They told him that he would never amount to anything because he walked like someone with cerebral palsy. He also speaks like someone with cerebral palsy. And that's how he preaches. In fact, he sounds about like that. He was at Highview Baptist several times, and one of the ministers of music <laughs> that was there for so many years, you, you probably know the guy, he would go pick up David Ring at the airport. And uh, he would talk just like him. So they were having this cerebral palsy conversation as they were driving back to Highview Baptist Church. So David's not offended that you talk that way when he talks that way to you. So he tells his life story, and he tells about God taking away his mama and God taking away his daddy and that he would never amount to anything. And he said, you know, I, I've been married now and I have five children. Five children. And he says, I win souls to Jesus Christ every day. I've got cerebral palsy. What's your problem? That's the way he says it. What's your problem? Whatever you're using to discount God's call to make disciples is not a reason. Jesus is looking for a Peter and an Andrew and a James and a John at Ekron Baptist Church that are ordinary people, not extraordinary people, we, we think uh, somebody that is winning souls to Jesus, that's, ordinary pe that's an extraordinary person. No, God's looking for ordinary people like you and like me. Not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples. So if there's one fishing lesson we learn from Jesus at Lake Gennesaret, is that Jesus calls us not only to follow him, but to catch others along the way. The second fishing lesson. That is, if we are to be a disciple and make disciples, we are to serve as Jesus served. Jesus said, the Son of Man, now he uses that expression mostly in the Gospel of Luke, but also in the other Gospels recorded as well. Jesus' favorite phrase for himself is the Son of Man. That's why the birth narrative in Luke is so long, because God has become uh, one of us taking on human form and revealing himself in Jesus Christ. So this Old Testament expression of the coming Messiah and the suffering servant all are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And so one of his favorite ways of referring to himself is Son of Man. In other words, he identifies with humanity. God identifies with you and me. The Son of Man, he said, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
Now, you and I are not a ransom for many, but we did come to serve. And a couple of things that get in our way are the couple of things that got into Peter's way of trusting Jesus to put his nets out on the other side or in deeper water. One of those is called pride or too much self-confidence. You need some self-confidence. That's true. You need to be prideful about some things. You know, proud of your kids, proud you did this, proud you did that. But there's a pride that is a mask that we wear to say to the world, I've got my act together, I know everything. And that gets in the way. Master, we toiled all night. I know everything. I know where the fish are. I know where they're not. I know everything, Jesus. Peter is hesitant, and he thinks that what Jesus asked of him is both unnecessary and too much demanding. Is God demanding too much of Ekron Baptist to be a disciple of Jesus and make disciples? Is he asking too much of me? Is it unnecessary to be evangelistic? Is it unnecessary to think outreach? Is it unnecessary to discover who the lost people are in this community and share the gospel with them? Is that unnecessary? I do think that we are in the, and we don't realize we're doing it, but we sort of automatically pre-disqualify people from getting saved. What do I mean by that? Well, we th- think about somebody in your family uh, that is lost without Christ into some lifestyle that is, that is so evil. Their thoughts, their ways are just so terrible that they could just never get saved. Is there anybody that's beyond God's grace and salvation? I remember... Uh, testimony that was shared when Joe Thompson got saved that, that when we went out on those um, gospel to every home y'all, y'all remember when we went out and shared the gospel to every home there's something in your brain that says ah, those people they're probably not interested sharing a track with those that, that, they're probably not interested you see we have an unconscious way of disqualifying people from experiencing the salvation of God. We do it every day. They're so bad they could never get saved. Another way we disqualify the activity of God is we use the words about our church, about our worship service, I like. I want you to just sit on that a minute. I like. I like this kind of music at church. I like this kind of activity at church. I like this thing. I like that. I prefer. I choose this church because I like. I do not hear in the 45, 50 years I've been preaching and pastoring churches, people say, God said to me, God is leading me. God has put it on my heart. God has spoken to me. And therefore, I made this choice or this decision. Think about it. We are to serve as Jesus served. How did Jesus serve? He says, I do what the Father tells me to do. He didn't serve because he liked this and preferred that. He served because it was the Father's will to do whatever he did. 
Jesus caught the disciples. They did not catch Jesus. Jesus caught them. And folks, when you got saved, Jesus caught you. The grace of God sought you out. The grace of God told you that you were lost and damned for hell because of your sin. And the grace of God on the cross of Jesus Christ is what drew you to Him through the Holy Spirit. And that's why you're saved today, because of the grace of the Father. Jesus said to Peter and the others, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. But put out a little deeper. God is calling Ekron Baptist members, God is calling every Christian to put out a little deeper. Challenge your comfort zone. As you push back and say, not yet, Lord, not now, Lord, you're really saying, no, Lord. Is He really Lord? Are we just giving lip service to Jesus and calling Him Master? Lesson number three. And this is what gets me so excited about the Gospel of Luke and this fishing story in uh, Luke chapter 5. So if I get to jumping up and down, you just hang in there. I'll settle down in a minute. We are, if we are to be a disciple and make disciples, we are to seize the moment of amazing success. Because when you follow Jesus and you sow the seeds of the gospel, that is success. Once you bring people into the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit, God cleans them up. God, God shapes them in such a way through His Holy Spirit to also become uh, fishers of men as well. Now, let's go back to that scene where they cast the net on the other side and they came back up, they brought all these fish up and they almost sank two boats because they had so many fish. Is there another episode in the life of Jesus that you see that same thing happening? Where did it happen? Same place, same seashore, almost the same story again. Do you remember where it was? After Jesus was raised from the dead. John 21. The disciples said they just kind of gave up on uh, Jesus that, uh, you know, he died on the cross and they were depressed and they said, let's go back to the fishing business. While they're out there fishing, what's Jesus doing? Richard knows the answer. He said it earlier this morning. He's making fish tacos on the seashore of Galilee. Right there. Jesus calls out the disciples, you boys catch anything? No. Cast net on the other side. And they did. How many fish did they catch, Robert? 153. 153. See, they counted every one of them. Were they little bitty minnows? They were the biggest fish in the Lake Gennesaret. You see, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's teaching about making disciples. And he's showing them what the kingdom of God is like when you just trust God. God is in the business of abundance. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. How many loaves were they? How many fish were they? How many did they feed? 5,000. See, the grace of God is abundant. What God can do is amazing. And we need to get caught up in that amazement at the waiting in the Cain of Galilee in the beginning of John's uh, gospel. 
um, Jesus went to this wedding, they ran out of wine. Well, they had these barrels there full of water. And he changed all this water into wine. What they thought they ran out of, Jesus not only resupplied, but he gave them an abundance. Folks, he wants to give you an abundance in your walking with Jesus. And an and abundance of joy to where you can hardly go to sleep at night because you're so excited about what God's doing in your home, in your family, in your children, at your job, and in your heart as well. And one day, we're all going to enter the kingdom of God and His holy heaven, and we get to live in the more full abundance. Is there such a word? That's what heaven is like. So we have in uh, Luke chapter 5 a taste of what the kingdom of God's going to be like in God's holy heaven. Don't you want everybody to go? Huh? Don't you want your kids to go? Don't you want your neighbors to go? Don't you want your aunts and uncles and grandparents to go? Don't you want the people at work to go? Don't you want them to enjoy this abundant grace of God and the kingdom of God where we will feast in God's holy heaven forever and ever? Listen, if Jesus ate fish tacos in a resurrected body and we get the resurrected body that Jesus had when we get to God's holy heaven, we're going to eat fish tacos in heaven. And a lot of Kroger's fried chicken. I believe it. We're going to hug each other. We're going to know each other. We're going to embrace each other. And we're going to rejoice in the fellowship of God's holy heaven kingdom because down here we experience loss, separation, anxiety, worry. Oh, we run out of supply of fish. We run out and we're dry. And we're thirsty. And some of you are like that now. And the answer is Jesus. It's not success at a career. It's not success at school. Success with Jesus is taking one of those little tracks right over there and giving it to somebody this week. My challenge to you is to just drop by on your way out, pick up one of them little tracks, and give it to somebody. Will you take that challenge? We got a magician coming in February, last Saturday in February, and he's going to share the gospel. And I want to see every family in Meade County show up and be here because they're going to hear the gospel. We're going to find out who they are. We're going to follow up with as many that will allow us to do so, and we're going to Share the gospel with them. Would you put out a little deeper? Would you step out of your comfort zone? And would you have a gospel conversation with someone and just read that track to them? Tell your fishing story, how you got caught by Jesus. I got caught by Jesus when I was nine years old. And his hook's still in me. He keeps drawing me closer to him all the time let us pray together father we thank you for catching us by your grace and mercy we thank you for the gospel of jesus christ that attracts us to your mercy and your grace and lord in this service today i know there's somebody who wants to be saved who wants to give their life to you and i pray they'll come while we sing this song in just a moment 
understanding we've all sinned. We're all sinners. But you have died because the wages of sin is death, but you have died for us. Understanding that you've risen from the grave and we're trusting what you did at the cross to be our salvation. Now, Father, work powerfully in this invitation time. I pray during the invitation, there are folks who get, get up and just come get a, get a little track and take it with them. Just do it during the invitation. Because, Lord, we want to please you and obey you and enjoy your abundance. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said, Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.